Rosen is the Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Keith Paul Jason, and thank you so much for taking the time to check out this installment of the Fatherhood Rocks podcast. Now, if you are a first-time listener, this is the place where I talk about just how much fatherhood rocks. I have conversations with dads from all over the place, and today I cannot hardly contain myself because I got to record an interview with one of my heroes in the faith over the weekend. Uh, So just really quickly, I can only tell you this. Christian hip-hop, gospel rap, whatever you want to call it, was one of the things that was the foundational stage for me when it came to just being a believer. And there were a few artists that played a huge role in me really loving what I was learning. And one of those artists is somebody who I got to interview this weekend on Easter Sunday. And I'm talking about the ambassador. You've heard him with the cross movement. You've heard his solo projects. Maybe you've been fortunate enough to be in a church service where he's preached. But he is just somebody who has played an instrumental role in me growing in the faith. I want to send a special shout out to my pastor, Sonny Smith, who's been on the podcast before, and the Detroit Church family who helped me get this particular interview with Ambassador. And I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce his family, and we'll take it right into the conversation. First of all, uh, I have, uh, my wife and I, we have four children, and uh, I had a son um, before I got married. So there's Deontay. Most don't know him. I talked about him on an album. Um, on one of my albums called The Chop Chop, where I talked about one of the confessions I had was I hadn't been the best father to the son I couldn't see because I didn't see him. Sometimes he was out of sight, out of mind. It's one of where I dropped the ball. His name is Deontay. He's actually 27 years old. A lot of people look at me, they say, you don't even look like you're 27 years old or you look like you're just 27 years old, but I actually have a 27-year-old. But then my wife and I, we have a 20-year-old, 19-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 15-year-old. The boy is the 20-year-old, Jeremiah William Branch. And then we have Trinity, and we have Eden, and we have Sinai. So that's the five all together. Okay, so you got five kids. You've had 27 years in the game when it comes to fatherhood. Talk to me a little bit about why fatherhood is so important to you. Uh, well, we all know that fatherhood is God's design. Um, it's His. He came up with it. It's part of man, man's uh, leadership. I believe that God uh, made the man and sort of tasked the man to be a certain kind of servant leader. Um, and that he uh, then blessed the man with a complementary piece, uh, the one who's very equal in dignity and, ne- and necessary for spreading the imago Dei, the image of God. And um, the fathers are often attacked, especially within the African-American context. We know that fathers have been uh, just ransacked. The home has been ransacked, and the removal of the father has led to what you would think when you go after those that God has sort of ordained to sort of provide a servant leadership. So I think fatherhood is important because it reflects our God who's called our father who art in heaven. He's not called our father and mother, though some people try to say that. He's revealed himself as the father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. More than any other title, uh, Jesus is, um, he's called the father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that father uh, is something that we have to try to mirror. And so it's important because it reflects God. And it's important because it's so uh, precious that the enemy would attack it so vehemently. And again, 
this is a stewardship I've been given, so I want to do well in it. So you talked about having a 27-year-old son who was born before you were married. Yes. So talk to me about what that was like and and how that whole yeah. situation came about, transitioning into fatherhood at such a young age. Crazy. Well, I was a teenager. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, yeah, I was with a... Um, I was with his mother. Um, she was like really my first true like person I felt like this love for. Um, she was not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, and I wasn't walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when she told me that she was pregnant with Deontay, uh, my first instinct, because I was so living out there, I said, abort him. And. I talked to my father, who I was starting to get reacquainted with. That's a whole nother story. I was starting to talk to my father, and he said, what did you say? He said, no. Uh, no, don't, don't abort. What is wrong with you? So then I told her, I said, no, don't abort. I'm sorry. So I don't think she wanted to do it anyway, mm-hmm. but she sort of re- like turned around and said, okay. Um, and then he was born, and um, I didn't know what I was doing. At that time, the Lord grabbed my heart, and I went to a Bible college. And I went off, and so I would just check on him, but I really wouldn't invest in him. I didn't know what to do. Uh, and I used to witness to his mom for about four years because my father had a, uh, you know, my, my mother and my father were separated most of my life, and I think part of it was because my father was a believer. I don't think my mother was. And so they ended up separating very early. So my father said, don't marry just because you have a child. Uh, so I began to witness to her for four years. And so um, she didn't trust Christ, you know, hasn't to this day, to my knowledge. And, uh, and I'm not my current wife. And so then we got it in. So I say all that to say it started with Deontay coming just as a product of me sowing to the flesh. Um, then God moved in to intervene so he wouldn't be aborted. Then God allowed my immaturity to not decisively ruin him mm-hmm. but it did affect him and i see those effects now mm-hmm. and uh been a long story but we actually are starting to develop a very good relationship now okay so sounds to me like your father's voice was very important or very heavy in your life Excellent. at that time yeah so talk to me a little bit about how your relationship with your father has shaped your approach to fatherhood yeah and how that you it sounded like you at that time you're starting to reconnect with him yeah so can you walk us through a little bit absolutely of that? as uh so i have a dope father story you know one of the, another reason why fatherhood is so important to me because i have a dope father story um so most like most bad marriages that break up often the kids will go with the mom. The mom will take their sons and say, you ain't gonna get my babies. <laughs> my mother said, go with, live with your father. She wanted the club. She says, no need of me. He said, I think he'll do a better job with you than me. I, I wanna be free. <laughs> I wanna go. And so she sent us to live with my father. And so I lived with my father and I was raised by my father and he was the dopest man to this day that I've ever seen walk the planet. Not without flaws, certainly, because at 13, I ran away from him. He was a strict disciplinarian. I wanted the world. I would go visit my mother and that side of the family. They just did what they wanted. And my father had rules and regulations and restrictions. He taught me evangelism at seven. He led me to Christ at four, taught me evangelism by seven. And then we just ministered with my father from thir- I mean, until I left him at 13. 
so funny because um, he would he wouldn't just let me do whatever. So he had limited TV, uh, limited going out. Now he did teach me sports, and so my father taught me how to catch. My father taught me how to hit because he wanted to play baseball before uh, when he was younger. Taught me how to shoot. So I grew up knowing how to play basketball, baseball, and football. And um, he, again, discipled me beyond just churchiness. He discipled me heavily in evangelism, discipleship, and in the scriptures. I ran away from him because he used to spank us, too. And I, didn't, I just was like, yo, man, I'm ready to just go do my own thing. So for four years, I basically left, and I, I, I put everything that he taught me on the shelf, and I lived it up. And then when God began to reawaken me to himself as I graduated from high school, I started reaching out to him. He actually came down. I was in Virginia. He came down and he he spoke at a funeral. And at the funeral, he declared the gospel. My heart was rewarmed by that gospel. And so I said, Pop, I want to come back. I want Jesus now without the belt. I want Jesus without you having to make me. I actually am a grown. I was a young man. I was 18 years old. I was like, hey, I'm, I want Jesus for myself. And so I went back to New York. We still were clashing, though, because we did have mm -hmm. some clashes. And uh, so I stayed with him at 20. I left him again, and then I just started life on my own. So, again, dope father story. His voice is, he's still been right 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. Self-sacrificing. Mm -hmm. um, reflected, I mean, he rejected and deflected uh, glory, personal glory. He's been modest, like, I would say poor all of our lives, but not because he's not a, a beast that could have cashed in. He just believes in maintaining a certain level of modesty so he's not corrupted in terms of his ministerial intents and motives. So everything I really got, it's I'm my pops with the hip-hop twist because that's the one thing he didn't have, and he didn't even help me to foster. He was, like, against it. So it was actually my time in the world that I began to foster this hip-hop muscle uh -huh. that I eventually had to merge without his help. Okay. But I had the strong foundation, and that's a whole nother angle, that whole when hip-hop in, like, came into the picture. Uh -huh. So what is that relationship with your dad like today? Crazy. Uh, he's been an investor in me uh, since I came back. He was, he was frustrated with me, but then I kept loving on him. He kept loving on me, and... Um, yeah, so now he's a great grandfather, uh, dedicated minister in New York City still. So he, uh, but he invests. He gives me books. I bounce. I get anecdotes and sermon helps from him. Uh, we talk. We chop. I go visit him, and he just pours into me. He does all the talking. I don't even get a chance to really talk. <laughs> um, and um, so that relationship is is really strong right now. And uh, yeah. So you uh, are a hip hop artist yourself. Correct. You've raised children mm -hmm. in the hip-hop generation. Yeah. You've talked about how hip-hop came into your life. How do you balance the artist, the father, when creating, or the fatherhood role that you have when creating the music that you're making? And how does that impact what you're doing as an artist? So I think this is funny. I don't really have to balance. So, so what ended up happening was I believe that the first generation of hip-hoppers created a fault line for certain generations. So I think that my father and I, we were actually divided by hip-hop. He wasn't with it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it divided us. I would want to rock certain things. He wouldn't encourage it. I would want to speak like certain things. He wouldn't encourage it. I would want to dance like certain things. He wouldn't encourage it. Um, and he didn't understand it. And he rejected it as out, out, right out worldly. In contrast, my sons, we like... I'm like, where'd you get those J's? <laughs> uh, they're right. like, hey, Pop, let me rock that shirt. Mm -hmm. 
Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? Um, and that's because on the other side of the hip hop fault line, the 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 generation shared hip hop again as, a, as an expression. And because I was a Christian with this hip hop, I taught and modeled my kids the integration. It's not either or. It's when they rightly integrate. One submitted to the other. So your hip-hop has to be submitted to your trumping identity in Christ. And my father did was like, there's no, no, it's just Christ. Forget the hip-hop. And I'm like, no, Christ over the hip-hop. Mm-hmm. You know, and so with my sons, when all I have to do is, again, think, what do I want them to be injected with? And that's actually good for the, for everything. Um, and now that my sons are again grown, grown technically, uh, twenty and twenty-seven, um, we actually share this moment. Snoop Bow Wow wanted to be like Snoop Dogg. That's sort of where Bow Wow came from. Mm-hmm. See, you got these two generations. You got the forty-something, you got the twenty-something, and they look up to each other. See, that was the thing. I want to be like you, and you don't mind me hanging with you. It was different like that with my father's generation. The divide was hip-hop created a divide. It didn't cause us to want to. And so, uh, so yeah, so now when it comes to my kids, I have to, re- now, and I'm also not oppressive because people try to, like, diss me because of my style. So I see some of the styles and some of this, and I'm like, Argh. but I don't harass him because I'm like, he's, he's with his generation. And so I'm able to give him a freedom that I didn't have. I had to work for it. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into naming names because I don't think that's, probably the right way to go but I know that there are certain things that have the gospel music label on it nowadays that my kids listen to that I'm like mm. right mm. Mm-hmm. matter of fact we were listening to something well again I don't want right. to get into right. 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 but what I'll say mm-hmm. is this um, I've always appreciated the fact that you have infused not just infused really just opened the gospel up and let it mm-hmm. be put on display right within the music and it was yeah. much more gospel heavy than culture right. heavy right. right and right. a lot of music nowadays is culture heavy right with gospel message in it right um, right and so I've, I've, mm-hmm. I, I certainly see that distinction yeah. now as you've taken that message out you've been fortunate enough to travel throughout the country right. other places in the yeah. world mm-hmm. um, do kids go with you when you make those trips? How do you balance that time? Well, it's funny. They kind of don't. I don't know. Maybe because they never did. I, I've always traveled like when they were in school, and they they've they've been the things I've done, but they don't really go with me. Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, that may happen now that they're starting to graduate. A couple of them are going to graduate. Um, only have one son. The other girls. I don't know. I don't know why that is. It's crazy. Uh, but. I don't go for extended periods. Mm-hmm. So my going is the equivalent of what it would be like if I worked a nine to five. I mean, I may go for a weekend and come back, you know. Um, so it's I'm there, but I'm so always there. It's a little different. Some of the younger generation of, you know, hip hop artists that use hip hop for Christ, they travel like crazy, mm-hmm. uh, which is why some of them were late to like starting families and. Uh, or getting married. So mine, often they don't go with me. They did earlier. They, they were at a, at a lot of things. Um, but right now they sort of wish me well. They root for me. They pray for me. And when I come back, it's on. Usually crab legs and a nice red box movie. So what are you doing to check in while you're on the road? Well, now you can text. You can call. Um, <laughs> 
Um, I mean, more so, do you have a routine? Like, do you have? I don't a, have a like, routine. You know, it's funny. I, gotta have. I see a lot of a lot of do a lot of guys. My wife has never complained about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know dudes who are like like clockwork with it. Yeah. Uh, I actually don't, but there's been a freedom in it. My wife knows when I'm in, I'm in. When I come up, I come up. We talk, but there's no routine. Okay. So I, sadly, I, I actually feel embarrassed when I'm around some guys who are like, but my wife sort of released me. She turned me over and has never, we've, we've, that's never been an issue. Okay. So you've got five kids. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming probably very different personalities. True that. How have you worked to help shape each of them individually while keeping the family collective in place? Wow. Great. Uh, well, Jeremiah, so I'll, only four live with me and only four have always lived with me. So um, so in terms of I deal with Deontay differently because I don't believe he's a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's I, I, I just spend time with him, love him pour into him uh, but Jeremiah I give him everything I have so Jeremiah is always involved plus he has a he's a unique product of the Lord's grace he's loved the Lord Jesus like me since four years old but hungry um, very very discerning very very simplistic appetite wants the Lord has had a leadership spirit from the beginning so in shaping him, it's just feeding him and keeping him uh, in the loop. The girls, sharing with them, urging them to look at their mom as an example, keeping godly people around them, and speaking deeply to them. Now, it's interesting. One of the things that is both the gift and the curse is I grew up indoctrinated heavily by a male among males. Mm-hmm. And so I never got a chance to see a woman indoctrinator to males, nor did I see my father relate to daughters. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any daughters. He didn't have any daughters. I don't have a sister. So what I have noticed is I'm not as well or, but because I have a wife, I'm complete. Mm-hmm. But I only know how to talk to my daughters. Um Almost as strongly as I talk to my sons, to be honest with you. Um, now, there's a natural sense of I'm not going to overdo it. I don't want to shatter them. Uh, we have a thing because, like, they'll say, Dad, flower, 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 because I'll grab them and I'll treat them like I'm treating my son sometimes. Mm-hmm. They'll say, Dad, flower, <laughs> flower, flower. I said, cactus, cactus. I said, and I said, we have a joke. They have to tell me sometimes. We're uh-huh. flowers. We're not cactus. Um, and so, um, but that strong talking to them yet, I think somebody would have to ask them, has he, like, do you think he's gone over the line or has his strength been just the, the voice of a father as distinct from a voice of a mother? I would like mm-hmm. to believe that the strength has been the voice of a father, even to females. Um, but I'm sure I've suffered from not having a model of a the the one dude that to me is the quintessential male in my life. I never saw him relate to females. Neither my mom nor my like any daughters. Okay. Yeah. So I I, I know it has. I've suffered from that. I know that I've been significantly uh, impacted by that lack. And my kids will probably have the stories to tell. 
Now you talked about your wife helping complete you. Yeah. Can you talk to me for a minute about how your wife has helped you with learning how to communicate with your daughters and how to interact with your daughters? Yeah, I mean, just, again, she's the one that was like, flower, flower, <laughs> like, yo, what's up with this dude? <laughs> so she just keeps that. Um, she's, she's on, like, she talks to me about, like, sometimes we just want you to listen, not fix it. Mm -hmm. um, like, That's hard, isn't the it? feeling, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I'm not good at that. Right, me neither. I'm not good me at that neither. at all. I don't even know. Again, I. But once I admitted to her, I I don't have a reference point for it. Uh huh. You know, so help me. Um, and she has. She's just there. The you know she plays cleanup often, like come here, baby, blah blah blah. And sometimes we get into it because I'm like, don't undercut. Yeah. Like let it let it soak. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, she's brilliant. Yeah. So I can't tell you how. I just can tell you that she does it. Yeah, and I think a lot of the ways that I came up in ministry, you know, the man is the head of the house. Like dad does this. That's just the way that it works. But then you get married yourself, and you find out, okay, maybe it doesn't work quite like this. So it's it's definitely been something that I've had to learn how to. Uh, I don't want to say embrace, but how it actually plays itself out. Right. Uh, to right. because there, those, I don't want to say undercutting. Okay, I'll say right. undercutting. Right, but there, right. those times have been have been present in our marriage as well, and you know it's it's hard to learn sometimes Correct. that you know she means well. Right. And it's not like an attack against your authority or right. anything along those lines, right. but she's oh, just yeah. doing what she believes is the best. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so that's that's Absolute. always something that's that's. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. A challenge for me to learn and I'm still working on that one um, any like hilarious stories in terms of being a dad that you can think of with your kids where something just crazy happened or maybe some scary stories where you know something happened with one of the kids and you weren't quite sure what to do or oh, yeah. anything along those wait, lines wait it was something I was going to say when I said I have a dope story, father story but uh -huh. I'll save it what okay. was it what, what, I don't what, remember right now oh but you said you said something. I oh, said. Oh, about my, my son's. My son wanted to ask you what your favorite, favorite song, song is okay, okay. that so you've done. Don't, yeah, don't. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'm sorry that it's I put okay. that in there now. Just, it's okay. Yeah. No worries. So here's the the I'll tell you the scary story. So, well, hey, yeah, I got a couple, but <clears throat> scary I think story. We all have a couple. Right, right, right. The scary story is my middle daughter. So basically, Eden, the 16 year old. One day she has a seizure, has seizures mm -hmm. in ways that I literally thought it was over. I mean, we were like, what in the world's going on? She was purple, she was jerking, and she was having a seizure, and we didn't know what was wrong. Happened a couple times. Turns out that she has cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. And so they, that's one of the symptoms. So it was the, the most frightened I've ever, ever been in my life. I thought she was gonna die. Um, I held her, I went outside, I was like, help. You know, like she was getting purple and she couldn't breathe. And uh, paramedics just told us over the phone, you know, basically walked us through it and stabilized us. But yeah, so my, my that daughter has cerebral palsy. Um, and so it's been a challenge working with her mm -hmm. because she has a, she has a cap. A mental cap. We don't know where, when it is and where it is, and she has difficulties with several things because of it. 
if you saw her, you wouldn't know, which it probably would be better. Because, you know, they say with disabilities, if you can see that someone has a disability, you will deal with them like they have a disability, with uh -huh. patients or with... But if you can't see it, you deal with them like they're just like you and me. And yeah. that's, that can happen sometimes. If you Absolutely. see her, you would not know. Yeah. You just think that maybe she's corny or sees this. If she like if she doesn't know how to express something with all the color of a person who and so what happens is like sometimes she'll get treated bad in, in school because they don't know. They're looking at her and they're thinking, What's wrong with her? Like, mm -hmm. don't you know how to blah blah blah? Yeah. You know? So that was that was just, that was that was the scary point because I didn't know what she had and then when we found out it was like now what's gonna be the cap on her? Will she be seven year old, seven years old in her for the rest of her life, mm -hmm. or will she be seventeen for the rest of her life? And we just praise the Lord that we've seen so much growth in her that now we're, it's a, it's, she's a delight. Now, how much does that change the family dynamic? Like, what what things have to be put in place to help manage the situation well, or to help interact? Yeah, yeah. Again, she's high functioning, so it's it's in one sense we sort of just it just. It's just dealing patiently with somebody who, you know, um, I can't even explain it, man. The family just has adjusted. Again, the kids, all they've ever known is a complete family. Mm -hmm. My wife, she knows what it's like to have a partner. She also was raised by a single parent, but the mom. So it's been really rough for us because she was raised by a mother with all girls and I was yeah. raised by a father with all boys. When we come together, it is, it yeah. has been woo, rough. Yeah, <laughs> We've had our tears, but in terms of things that are put in place, that's what we do. Uh, it's just patience and kindness. Okay. And again, of course, Mish leads the charge in that. My wife, she leads, leads the charge in making sure that my, um, my rigidness is like it's smoothed out by her patience and kindness and then I have to follow suit. Now, I guess just in closing, is there anything that you want to share in terms of advice for other dads or just final thoughts that you want to offer on fatherhood? Hmm. Um, man, look to the Heavenly Father, be a dad, be a man, embrace that know that the quintessential picture of what manhood looks like and fatherhood looks like is the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself gave himself to make sure that he had a bride gave himself to make sure that he produced spiritual sons and uh, that's what we do so and I only say that that's not trying to be super spiritual it's I do believe in roles mm -hmm. I do believe in distinction and I do believe that, but I do believe that we're able to finesse the, the vision of what it looks like, not according to something that was just in the past, but according to what would honor God and what would produce, again, a loving environment for growth. And uh, I think things should be intentional. Mm -hmm. You know, Sometimes you see people who just sort of let things be and then they work with what you give them. No, I think that we should form. I think that we should be intentional. We should steer and um, speak toward something and speak away from other things and so i would say that as a dad do that do that grab your your role and walk in it imitating the father who gave himself for the bride and who lives for the expansion of his kingdom as reflected in the children 
may what we do in our home bring honor to God and increase as we spread the Imago Day and the renewed man and the renewed mind throughout the world by being faithful witnesses as fathers. Man, great words from the ambassador, full name, William Branch, a.k.a. Deuce. Appreciate this guy tremendously for sitting down with me on an Easter Sunday and talking about his experiences with fatherhood to drop knowledge for the podcast. It was just an amazing experience to be able to sit down and chat with one of my heroes in the faith and just learn about a topic that is so important to me. And as you can tell from the passion in his discussion, it's important to him as well. You know, I was excited because my son was really excited about meeting the ambassador. Um, he has been listening to his music. He you know, plays it in the morning. And the funny thing about it is he listens to the same stuff that I was listening to when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. Sometimes I almost want to ask him, like, man, who are you, kid? But he will, he will request songs like Girl Named World and then bring it all the way up into the new stuff. Uh, like preview and everything else from the new album so he's a big fan as well he got the chance to meet the ambassador and let me tell you what he froze up i talked him up told ambassador how big of a fan he was and then my son froze up but it's cool it's cool it was a funny thing to watch actually i'm babbling now but hey if you're a first time listener thank you so much for checking out the podcast please be sure to like subscribe and rate the podcast and then as i always say share it with you know like five million of your closest friends and then you know you can check that out on itunes google play stitcher uh, my website keithpauljason.com or you can check it out on player fm uh, you may remember me saying before that in 2017 we made player fm's list of best podcasts on fatherhood proud to say thankful to say we are on that list again for 2018 so fatherhood rocks is back on the list of the best fatherhood podcasts on player fm so a big shout out to them and a thank you to them um I'm going to go ahead and sign off because I don't have too much else to say. But again, thank you for listening. And I look forward to bringing you more stories on father in the fatherhood in the future. I'm not even going to edit that out. You know why. Because fatherhood rocks. <laughs>